online uh you would know the topic that we're going to be laying the foundation for uh this morning and the theme of this month's topic is stewardship glory to god uh interestingly pastor stanley has started the teaching on wednesday and um, i joined online i mean i was tremendously blessed by the word that he brought to us about stewardship glory to god uh, i think one of the things that he tried to do in that service is to make us understand that when you are a steward you are not in charge of what belongs to you are you following me you're not in charge of what belongs to you. It means somebody handed over something to you for you to take care of. Are you following this? Come on, are you following this? I mean, he properly defined that for us uh, on Wednesday. So, as stewards, we are not people who own what belongs to us. We are people who handle what belongs to someone else. Are you following me? And you see, stewardship, as the title is, is now the process in which you take care of what has been handed over to you. Are you following me? Are you following me? Uh, this morning, we're just laying the foundation for this particular series, Stewardship. And I'd like to start from the book of First Corinthians chapter 4. I'd like everybody to pick up their Bibles and turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 4. Um, it's a scripture written by dear brother Paul. First Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. First Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. And I'll read from here. I want you to read with me from your scriptures. Glory to God. In fact, can we read it together? I want to be sure you're there. If you're there, say amen. Okay, only a few people. If you're there now, say amen. Only one person. I'll wait for the others to join us. Glory to God. In our current church, turn your Bibles there very quickly. If you're watching us from your living room, from Canada, wherever you're watching us from, turn your Bibles with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read it together in concert, verses 1 and 2. Are we ready now? Come on, those in Lagos, are we ready now? All right, let's read now. One, two, go. Let a man show account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Can we read it one more time? One, two, go. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful hallelujah glory to god now just like i've defined to us what stewardship means or stewards i mean before we talk about stewardship we need to talk about stewards when you're a steward you're not in charge of your own property you're not in charge of what belongs to you. That thing was handed over to you for you to take care of. Are you following me? Now, stewardship, as our topic is, is now the act, the art in which you go about to take care of that which has been handed over to you. Now, this First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 is going to be the anchor scriptures which we're going to dwell with for the month of November. Now, here was Paul writing. He said, let a man show account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, I'd like to read some other interesting translations to you. Now, look at the, tra the Passion Translation. He said, so then you must perceive us not as leaders of factions, but as servants of the anointed one, those who have been entrusted with God's mysteries. Glory to God. Now you see this particular one used the word servant. When you are a servant in a house or in a particular place, what you're meant to do in that house or in that place, you don't have anything that belongs to you. Are you following me? You are in that place to take care of whatever it is the owner of the house have handed over to you. Are you following this? So the person translation used the word servants. Now let's read the amplified translation and see what it says. 
He said, so then, let us, O minister, be regarded as servants. Did you see that word again? Servants of Christ and stewards. You know, one of the reasons why I love you know, the amplified is because you see, you find brackets. Praise God. Now, those brackets, those words in bracket tends to expand what it is the writer is trying to pass across. So, let me read it to us from the beginning again. He said, so then, let us who minister be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards. Are you servants? Are you stewards? Then there was a bracket. The first word is trustees. When you are a trustee, what it means is that something has been handed over into your care. Are you following me? Something has been handed over into your care. When you are on the board of trustee of a company, what it means is that you are responsible for whatever goes on in that company. Are you following me? Are you following me? And that's why when a company has issues, one of the first set of people that um, maybe the government or agency or whatever run after is the board of trustee because they have been entrusted with the care of that particular company are you following me now you see the board of trustee they are not the owner of the company or the vision are you following me but somehow they have been brought into a place whereby their responsibility is to ensure that that vision that company thrives and it does not fail and it does not die are you following me then another word he used in that bracket was the word administrators administrators then he said of the mysteries of god that he chooses to what to reveal now you see a lot of times we tend to remove ourselves from what god wants to do on the face of the earth but i want us to realize that we all are sons of god and we all have been called into the work of the ministry are you following me in fact, the Bible says we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. So when we talk about, oh, I have a ministry. Somebody comes and says, ah, me, I don't have a ministry. It's because you don't know who you are. We all have a ministry. We all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Because we all are meant to reconcile the world back to God. Are you following me? And you see, the people I know, you don't know. The people that you know, I don't know. Are you following me? So how do I reach the people that you know that I do not know if you do not reach them? Oh, come on. Is somebody hearing me this morning? So every single one of us, we have a ministry. And one of the things I've discovered in church is that, you see, we speak some scriptures. And when we declare those scriptures, somehow we just tend to remove ourselves from it. For example, a lot of us believe that only pastors can cast out demons. Subconsciously. It's just there slightly. And that's the reason why maybe there's a, there's a demonic manifestation in your house. Or maybe things are not going well in your house. What happens to you? You pick up your phone and you call who? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's just subconsciously. It's just, it's just there. Because you have a feeling that only the pastors or those who are called in quotes can do or can handle this situation. Are you, are you, do you understand what I'm saying? But when you read the scripture, when Jesus was declaring in Mark chapter 16, he said, these signs shall follow them that what? Come on, talk to me now. These signs shall follow them that what? That what? That believe. Did he say these signs shall follow them that are pastors? That are evangelists, that are prophets, that are teachers. Do you understand? These signs shall follow them that believe. So, once you become a believer, Jesus is saying that these signs shall follow them that believe. And you see, that's the place of empowerment of the church. Are you listening to me? That's the place of empowerment for the church. Because as a believer, when you come to understand that, you will know that you stand in the place of authority as much as your pastor does. Oh, come on. Are you listening to me? You know that you stand in the place. You see, Love's Domain Family Assembly is not a place where we teach you to be dependent on your pastor. 
Oh, because we all are sons of God. As much as I am a son of God, who else is a son of God here? Hallelujah. Oh my God, only few people even know. Who else is a son of God here? Uh-huh. And you know, there was a time I was teaching us that you see, when you don't know your right as a son, that's when you do some things. You have a feeling that God has some favorites. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like Timilei will always do. When Tara, Tara will just come and say, Daddy, uh, I want... Then she will pause. Then she will look at Timilei's face. Then I'll smile where I am. Then Timilei will whisper. He said, eh, I want meat pie. Then I'll say, no. Then she'll say, oh... Then, you know, because she's a child and she doesn't understand what's going on, then she'll look at him laying, Daddy says, no. <laughs> Do you get it? But you see, Timilei is in a place where he feels like if I tell Daddy directly, Daddy may not answer, but there's just something about Tara and Daddy. So if Tara can just ask, maybe, just maybe, Daddy will answer. But the truth is, both of them are my children. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And until a child comes to a point where he realizes that, you see, as much as she has a right, I also I have one, I have a right. Did you read the story of the prodigal son? Very interesting story. I always tell people, see here, I don't know about you. I know some of us like to be, you know, good. See, if I were to pick in between the prodigal son and that elder brother, I will pick the prodigal son one billion times. Not because he went to party and all of that. That's, that's not why I'm going to pick him. The reason why I'm going to pick him is because he knows his right. He knows who he is. I mean, how will a son walk up to his father while his father is alive? I said, divide all your inheritance. I beg. If you don't want to die, I know if you wait. I know if you wait. Oh. Divide everything. I beg. Uh, you've divided it. You have only two children. Oh yeah, divide it into two. Give me half. Let me go. And he went. And when he became hungry, he came back. His father still brought him in. Are you, are you listening to this? Then you now see the elder brother come. And saw that there was a party. And he said to his father, uh-uh. Me have been with you all this while. All this while. When this your son went on riotous living. I stayed with you. I ensured that your investment and everything kept growing. I was working for you. And all the while I was with you. Just a small kid. You did not kill. You know what a kid is? That's a small goat. He said even a small goat. You did not kill to throw party for me. And guess what the response of the father was? The father said, ah, eh? you are talking of a small, <laughs> a small goat. It's like you don't realize that everything that is here actually belongs to you. Can you see that? There's a, there's a big knowledge gap. He didn't know. So he was angry. Because his father killed a fatted calf. According to historians, they said from the day that the boy left the house, the father tied this particular calf to a place. And all they were doing was just feeding this calf. So this calf was huge, massive. Have you seen a big cow before? Let me see your hands up. I'm not talking of, as a heavy one. It was fat. They were just feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. And immediately the son came back, the father said, go and kill it. So when this elder brother came back and discovered that the calf is no longer there, that that was what they were using the throw party, he was angry. Because he felt like if they were going to use it to celebrate for anybody, it should have been him. And the father said, you are angry over one calf. Not realizing that everything is yours. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, everything is yours. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Everything belongs to you. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. Everything belongs to you. Oh, say it like you mean it. Everything belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. So we must come to a place where we know and not keep excluding ourselves from the things that God wants to do in our lives, on the earth, in the church. Are you listening to me? 
So when Paul said, let us, let me go back to the King James, because I know a lot of us are sons and daughters of King James. Praise God. He said, let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ. We all are ministers of Christ. He said, and stewards of the mysteries of God. We are stewards in charge of the mysteries of God. Now, can I tell you something about the mysteries of God? You remember when Jesus shared the parable of the, of the sower? You remember when he shared the parable of the sower? He said the sower went out to sow seeds. Some fell on the wayside. Some on the mountaintop. Some on the thorns and all of that. And by the time he was done, he closed the service. Then after he closed the service, the disciples ran to him and said, Ah, sir. While you were sharing earlier in the church, in the service, we were just acting as if we understand. We know, <laughs> we know understand. We just they say, glory, glory. We don't get anything. We know, we know understand. What exactly were you saying with that parable? And the first response of Jesus to them is that, Unto them it has not been given. He said, but unto you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. That means Jesus was surprised that the disciples did not understand what he shared with the people. In other words, Jesus expected them to come into a place of understanding as soon as he began to share the parable of the sower. But unfortunately they did not catch it. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Now, here were Paul now saying that you and I, we are custodians. We are stewards of the mysteries of Christ. Hallelujah. I shared something earlier this morning about church. Let me quickly, um, you know, <laughs> praise God. You know, I, I saw it on the internet and immediately I just, I just fell in love. I just fell in love with it. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I said, glory to God. I, I saw it online. Look at what he says. He said, if the Bible is just a fairy tale, he said, why is it banned in 52 countries? If it is just a fairy tale, why did they ban it in 52 countries? There are 52 countries of the world where they don't have Bibles as I'm speaking to you. In fact, they've banned it. When you come into that country and you hold a Bible, you will be prosecuted. Are you listening to me? So he said, if the Bible is just a fairy tale, why is it banned in 52 countries? He said, no one goes to prison for reading Cinderella. Oh, you didn't catch that. You didn't, you didn't catch that. Because Cinderella is a, is a fairy tale. Uh, uh, what, what are the other ones? Uh, Snow White and the, and the Seven Dwarves. I mean, they are fairy tales. Praise God. I mean, you won't read that and the government will say, oh yeah, go and jail this guy for reading Cinderella. Praise God. And if the Bible is also a fairy tale, like some people will want to believe that the Bible is not real, then why should people go to jail for reading the Bible? Why should countries of the world say that they don't want Bibles to come into their country if the Bible really is a fairy tale? Do you understand what they say? Now he said, if it was really made up, then it is supposed to have no power. He said, so why ban it? It is banned because it is the most powerful, freeing, and transforming truth on the face of the earth. That's why those countries banned it. Are you listening to me? But you see, unfortunately... Because where I'm going is this. Unfortunately, even a lot of countries that have access to the Bible have not yet come to a place where they understand the mysteries of God. Are you listening to me? Because as much as people have read the Bible, there's still a lot of confusion. Are you listening to me? There's still a lot of confusion. And that's why it looks as if there's so much division within the body of Christ. But the scripture is straightforward. This truth is real. 
when you allow the spirit of God to help you and you read scriptures in context you see one of the major problems is that we don't read scriptures in context what I mean by context is that we don't sit down to read the Bible to study the Bible a lot of us just wake up and you know you pick up your Bible I don't know how many of us still do that praise God you say oh I'm going out pastor say we must read our Bible every morning praise God so, you get your Bible. I say, I've woken up this morning. Anywhere I open, that's where I will read. Holy Spirit, guide me. Shut up. Then look, oh. Isaiah, chapter 10. That's what my eyes saw. Then I say, pastor say, read your... Then he say, woe unto them. Then he say, ah, no, no, no. We can't... That can't... Woe, okay. Early in the morning. No, 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 no. Then you close it back again. Then you open it again. Then when you now open Psalm, I say, blessed is him. I say, this must be the spirit. How many of us have done that before? Let me see hands up. We are plenty. I used to do it too, those days. But you see, if you are like that, you will never be able to come to a place where you comprehend the mysteries of God. You will never be able to. You will never be able to. In fact, your Christian life, you're going to live your Christian life in so much confusion. You will never come to the knowledge of the truth. Are you listening to me? Those are the kind of people that when they go to so-so-so and so-so prayer deliverance church, when they preach there, they say, ah, that man is a powerful man of God. He preached. That word is true. Then they go to Kinnikog, Kinnikog, everywhere they go, every word they hear, that is a word. That's the truth. They are not able to discern what is the truth and what is not the truth. And those are the people that Paul says in the last days, they will be carried about with every wave of what? Of doctrine. That means every wave of doctrine will carry them away. They will be swept away by every wave of doctrine. Every man of God they hear preach is a powerful man of God. And he's preaching the undiluted word of God. Because they have not come to a place of comprehension of the mysteries behind the word of God. Now Paul said, let every man account of us as ministers of what? Of Christ and stewards of the mysteries. In other words, we are supposed to be in charge of the mysteries of God. Are you listening to me? Come on, are you listening to me? Now use the word stewards. In other words, we are custodians. The mystery don't belong to us. God is the owner of the mystery. Are you listening to me? But we are in charge of it. We are servants of it. We are meant to take that mystery and reveal it to the world. Are you listening to me? A lot of us who attend a church, a Bible-believing church, and a Bible-teaching church, a lot of us feel, you know, there's this feeling of superiority complex. Sometimes it's subtle. For those who have come to understand the word of God. There's this feeling of, there's this, especially maybe you're in your office and a topic comes up and it has to do with scriptures. And you have been well taught in the church that you attend. You have been well taught. You can quote 10 scripture, tie them together. And everything we align. There is a way you come into that conversation like all of Namina, sit down. May I teach you now? Say, I don't know any. Say, you say your pastor, no, they teach you any. May I teach you, sit down. There's that feeling of superiority that comes in with it. But you tend to realize that as much as we feel that we know, we are not maximizing the mysteries that we have come to understand. Or oh, do you get what I'm talking about? We have not come to maximize. We have not come to share. How many of you have taken time to share this word with the people that are around you? Watch this. You are meant to be a steward over that mystery that has been revealed to you. Are you listening to me? And you see what God expects of you as a steward is that... That's what verse 2 is now talking about. He said, moreover, it is required in stewardship that a man be found what? faithful somebody say faithful come on somebody say faithful 
Come on, somebody say faithful. Now we're talking about stewardship. Being in charge of that which does not belong to you. And like I said this morning, we're just laying a foundation for this teaching. You are in charge of what does not belong to you. Now he says that it is required in stewardship that a man be found faithful. That means when we're talking of stewardship, what God expects of a steward is what? Oh my God, am I teaching good this morning? Is what? Is what? Come on, somebody say it is what? Come on, somebody say what? Faithfulness. Now, there's something about stewardship and faithfulness that you cannot separate when it comes to God. Now, you see, all of these things are things that we're going to take time to examine throughout the whole of the month of November. But I just want to lay a solid foundation. You see, do you remember when Paul began to share and he said that that which you have learned of me, he said, commit also thou unto what? Faithful men. Who will also be able to now teach others. That which you have learned of me. That which you have seen me do. He said commit also. That means when you are going to commit it into the hands of people. I want you to commit it into the hands of what? Faithful men. Now you see one thing that distinguishes faithful men. Is that a faithful man will always deliver on what is meant to deliver on irrespective of the circumstances oh did you hear what i just said come on did you hear what i just said he will always deliver irrespective of the situation irrespective of the circumstance around him hallelujah glory to god he delivers now god likes faithful men god loves faithful men in fact, when you read in the book of Revelation, it's one of the reasons why it says that if you're neither hot nor cold, I will throw you out. It's because it's a faithful man is always hot. <laughs> Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's always, he's always hot. He's always on the edge. He's always on the edge of the assignment that has been given to him. Do you remember last month when we were talking about walking with God? Come on, how many of us were here? Or you listen to the message online where we're talking about walking with God. And one of the things I said about Jesus during the course of that teaching is that Jesus was always on the edge of the assignment that God has sent him to do. He was dutiful. He was faithful to it. To the end. Even when he was tired, he was still doing what he was meant to do. In John chapter 4, after a long walk down to Samaria, the Bible says they were going to Judea. And it was necessary for Jesus to pass through Samaria. When they got to Samaria, he was so exhausted, he was so tired. And the disciples said, Oga, please sit down by this well. Let us go and get you food. Remember I asked a question in that service. That if you are really, 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 really hungry. And somebody comes and says wait let me go and buy you food or let's go and eat food let's go to where we we'll get food which one would you choose to wait for him or to just follow him come and talk to me you, you go and come back you go time go let's just go do you understand but jesus was so hungry to a point i believe he could not go with them that was the extent of his tiredness and when the disciples came back, because while they left, there was a woman that came to the well to fetch water. And Jesus strike the conversation with this woman. And the first thing he said to that woman is, can I have some water? And the woman looked at him and said, uh-uh, you're asking me for water. When did the Jews and the Samaritan, when did we begin relationship? That you're asking me water. Me, water. Me, a Samaritan. You, a Jew, asking me for water. Oh. And Jesus said to her that, if you know the person that is asking you to give him water, he said you will have given it to him. And I will now have given to you a water that when you drink, you will never thirst again. Ah, custodian of the mysteries of God. 
The woman said, ah, <laughs> a water that I will not need to drink again. That means if I have that water, I won't be coming back to this well. I will always be satisfied. Give me that water. Then the conversation began. Then suddenly Jesus moved into mode of worship. And they began to talk about a whole lot of things. Glory to God. I said glory to God. And by the time Jesus was done, guess what happened? The Bible says this woman ran into the city and went to call everybody to come to that well. And guess what happened? Jesus stood up and he began to teach the people. And when the disciples came back, what happened when they came back? The first question they asked when they came back and saw Jesus teaching. They didn't ask who gathered the people. They didn't ask um, they didn't ask anyone. The first thing they asked is who gave him food? You know why they were asking? Because they knew the state in which they left him. That he was not supposed to have that energy to be able to preach. Not even to a crowd. So if he's standing and he's teaching again, after being so exhausted, then somebody must have given him food. And when they said, ah, nobody gave him food, though, then they had to ask Jesus himself, Oga, <laughs> who gave you food? And Jesus said, you don't understand that I have a food that I must eat. And that is that I must go about my father's business. He said, I must walk the walk of him that sent me. While it is day, for the night cometh when no man will be able to walk. In other words, Jesus was so committed to the cause of God for his life that even tiredness will not hold him back. Or are you listening to me? And if there's any kind of man that God is looking for to commit his work into his hand, to commit his things into his hand, he's a man that does not get tired. Oh, are you listening to me? When I'm talking about tired, I'm not talking about physical tiredness. Do you understand? I'm talking about a kind of tiredness that even physical tiredness cannot wear you out. Or are you listening to me? People who carry the mysteries of God. People carry the things of God in a way that no matter what it is that is going on in their life, what God has asked them to do is top priority. Oh, are you listening to me? Oh, I'm going to show us all of those scriptures during the course of the month. Look at what Paul wrote to Timothy. You see, Paul was a perfect example of a steward of the mysteries of God. Because no matter what happens, no matter what he sees around him, Paul was committed to the cause of God. You remember when he was about to go into Jerusalem? And where they were praying? They were praying. They were praying. They were praying. Then all of a sudden, a prophet came among them by the name of Agabus. Agabus came in. Then he removed is um is gado and while you know some prophets can be dramatic praise god come and talk to myself praise god some prophet can be dramatic are you listening to me so instead of just saying what it is god is asking him to say he wants to dramatize it so that whoever the message is for will sink into his head so he removed his gado more like his belt and he began to tie his hand and after he tied his own hands he said and he began to prophesy that the man who is going to go into Jerusalem to preach and deliver the word of God into Jerusalem, this is how he is going to be tied his hands is going to be tied in fact a lot of things are going to happen to him when he goes into Jerusalem and guess what Paul standing in the midst of them knew that he was the one they were talking to now, some of us, when you hear that you will be tied, when you go, more, I know they, I know they go. That's what you do. Some of us, when in the process of doing the work that you're supposed to do for God, when it becomes as if things are not easy, when it comes to doing this work, you back out. 
Now, somebody did a statistics one time. I've forgotten the real figures. The person said, as much as people criticize pastors all over the world right now, based on whatever it is they are criticizing pastors for, he said people still need to realize that then he mentioned a certain figure, a percentage of pastors that drop their calling every single day. Oh, you don't get it. As in pastors that drop their calling, that say, call you, I know they hear again. And they drop their calling. They drop their ministry. I know pastors who have closed their church and today they are doing circular work. Are you listening to me? Because it's not easy. Do you understand? But you see, God is not looking for people who are looking to get it easy. Oh, do you understand what I'm talking about? And that's why I used the word faithfulness. Because in stewardship, faithfulness must be there. Faithfulness is, I'm going to do it. Either it's convenient or it's not convenient. I am going to get it done. Or oh, are you with me? After Agabus prophesied, Paul came out and said, you know what? He said, I am the one that is going there. He said, let me now tell you. He said, I am not only ready to be bound though. Maybe it's bound you are talking about. And me, I'm, <laughs> I've gone past beyond binding. I'm not only ready to be bound. He said, I am ready to lay down my life. In other words, I'm not just ready to be bound. I'm even ready to die for this cause. So the prophecy you are giving is not going to scare me from doing what God wants me to do. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying? And that's one of the reasons why I tell people this. That you see, the New Testament prophet, when a New Testament prophet delivers a prophet to you as a a prophecy to you as a child of God, even if that prophecy is scary, because you're a child of God, that prophecy is not meant to bring fear to you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Because some of us, we hear prophets say, ah, eh, (laughs) hallelujah. I gave one of my, I gave my book, The Perfect Match, you know, to a lady in my area during the course of the week. And after reading it, she said, hey, he said, I'm going to make sure everybody I know reads this book. He said, it's a very small book. He said, but, hmm, then she started her story. How, you know, the guy she was dating, the mother would take them to one prophet. The prophet would say that, you know, and she's a very fair lady. So the prophet says she has mommy water, and that's why the guy is not prospering. You know, I say, hmm. <laughs> and their relationship is scattered and shattered today because that guy too believes what the prophet has said. And a lot of us Christians still live in that sphere. Oh my God. It's when I preach like this, people always feel like maybe I'm against the prophetic office. I'm not, I'm not against the prophetic office. In fact, I love how the prophetic office functions. Precise word and accurate. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you see, no matter how it comes to you, as a child of God, the prophecy that the Spirit of God will deliver to you, it will never bring fear into your life. Now, I'm not saying that it will always come in form of encouragement. So that's not what I'm saying. Even if it involves death, it will not bring fear. Rather, it will strengthen your resolve. Oh, are you hearing me? Come on, are you hearing me? It will strengthen your resolve. Paul said, I'm not only ready to be bound. I am ready to die for this cause. A faithful steward of the mysteries of God. And truly, according to the word of Agabus, when he went there, what did they do? In the temple, they rounded him up. (laughs) Rounded him up. Beat the living daylight out of him. And they stoned him to death. And they carried his body outside of the city and dumped it there. And immediately they left. Life came back into Paul. He stood up again. And guess where he went to? He went back into that same city. Ah! Uh, you, you know, you know, you know, I became, you used the word stubborn, but God is not seen stubborn. God is seen faithful. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. 
Paul said that which you have learned of me. Commit thou also unto faithful men. Do you read what he wrote to Timothy? He said, Timothy, he said, preach the word of God. Be instant in season and out of season. You know what that means? That means when you feel like preach it. When you don't feel like you preach it. You don't do this stewardship based on how you feel. Oh, I woke up this morning. I don't, you know, do you know how many days I've woken up on Sunday mornings and I don't feel like preaching? Do you know how long I've been preaching? Maybe I should first ask you that. Do you know how long I've been preaching? I've been preaching since 2006. Every Monday, every Wednesday, every Sunday. Maybe except few times I give some of my son's platform to preach. Do you understand? So you can imagine how many messages I've preached with this little mouth. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But do you also know the number of Sundays I get to church and I just don't feel like preaching. But Paul said, <laughs> be instant in season and out of season. When you feel like, when you don't feel like, you deliver. That's what faithfulness is all about. That's what stewardship is all about. Because when it comes to stewardship with God, God is not looking for people who are unstable. Oh, come on, do you understand what I'm talking about? That's why he told us in the book of Revelation. He said, if you're neither hot nor cold, I will what? I will spew you out of my mouth. That was why he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, before you have been called Peter, but now, I mean, before you have been called Simon, but now I'm going to call you Peter. Do you understand? Because Simon means a reed. A reed is a type of plant that you find on the sea and the sea keeps carrying it. You understand? As the wave keeps moving, you understand? The reed keeps moving with it. In other words, our situation determines. Nae Peter, they do. Do you understand? That's why when they were going to crucify Jesus. Some of us are laughing already. And interestingly, Jesus already told him, you will deny me three times. Jesus, Peter said, Abba. Abba, me. Three times. You didn't even say once. One, two, three. And I will open my eyes down. And I will deny you the first time, second time, third time. Just like that, Master, no. I cannot deny you. It cannot happen. Go and read that scripture again. Jesus looked at him the second time and said, I'm telling you that you will deny me three times. If Jesus now, he said, Listen, for you to even understand, before the cock will crow tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. Peter said, You don't understand. That where you die, I will die. Wherever you go, I will go. Nothing they shake me. And you see, that was one of the motivations of Peter that made him draw the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus when they came to arrest Jesus. You don't understand what I'm saying. That you said I will deny you. Wait, let me show you what I can do. Pull out the cut the guy here off. Ah. Said Jesus, that's it. That's the extent I can go for you. Then Jesus said, shit your sword. Took the ear and gummed the back. Ah. And Peter says something is happening. I don't understand what's going on here. And they took Jesus. And the Bible says while Peter sat with men. Because the night was cold. And they were standing near the fire. Getting warm from the fire. A little girl saw Peter. And said you look like one of his disciples. Yes, yes, yes. Your name is. And Peter said me. Me. You, dis you are a little girl. You don't even know what you are saying. That man, I have never seen him before in my entire life. Then he left that place. And while he was going, somebody pulled him again and said, ah, That guy, everybody's shouting about that. They want to go, You are one of his. The guy said, Me. You know, every time I think about that incident, I always tell myself, After the first time, shouldn't Peter have come to his senses that, Ah, they said three times, I've done the first one. Oh. Then he did the second one. Then he did the third one. And as soon as he did the third one, 
the cock crew. And even in the midst of the passions of Christ, in the midst of the sufferings of Jesus, the Bible says their eyes met. While they were beating Jesus, even immediately Jesus heard the cock crow with his swollen eyes, everything. He looked at where Peter was and the eyes became four. Uh, and I'm sure Jesus must have said, guy, how far? <laughs> are, you, are you listening to me? So Jesus said, you will no longer be called Simon. That means you will not always be in a position where you do as occasion demand. But rather, you will do according to the demands of God. Either you feel like or you don't feel like. So I will come to church because I'm supposed to come. Not because I feel like, but because I am meant to be there. Oh, are you listening to me? Come on, are you listening to me? Oh my God, I remember those days in Futa. Every morning, 7 a.m., we need to be in different classes to deliver the mind of God. And we called it Empowerment Series. Me and my friend David, every morning, 7 a.m. But guess what? Every Sunday, Sunday night by 12 a.m., we go into the place of prayers. And you see, when we start these prayers at the basketball courts, we don't have time frame. Oh, my wife was there a couple of times. Oh, oh, you were there a couple of times. I pulled there. We go there. We don't have a time frame. We don't say, oh, we're coming to pray for one hour or two hours. You understand? So sometimes we get there, we pray for one hour and we're done. Sincerely, we're done. And sometimes we're there till 5 a.m. From 12, we're groaning. From 12, we're groaning. And by 5, we will walk back from Obanla to Obakikere. And by 7, we just be in class to deliver. Not because they pay us. They don't pay us. In fact, we will even get into trouble for going to do it. Because a season came when they said nobody should preach in any of the LTs again. But not me. Well, not me. Ah, one morning, oh my God, I always remember that, that, that Monday morning. I got to big, big, big LT. Oh, there was a guy who was there. That guy lost the way we come every morning. He attends believers love all those days. Yuri. Yeah. So Yuri too said, I'm going to be doing like you guys. So before we got to the class, that 7 a.m., Yuri was already there preaching. Then one of our came and said, don't stop preaching. Stop preaching here. And he continued. Then the Afar bundled him, carried him, and carried him out of the hall and dropped him outside. I smiled where I was. Then I climbed onto the stage. And you see, because people knew me and they knew my capacity, immediately I stepped on the stage. The old big guilty was, yeah, everybody was, it was as if we we're going to have a, a match. Then I had to tell everybody, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. And after they calmed down, I began to deliver. Then the affair came. I said, You will not preach here. I said, Me and you. Then I moved aside, continued. Then he came to stay in my front. Then I moved to another side. Then he touched me. Then I told him, I said, if you touch me again. He said, what will happen? I said, I don't know. What will happen? I said, but one of these three things will happen. He said, it's either you go blind or your leg suddenly becomes limp or you die. One of the three. If you touch me again. So at that level, he had to pause and, you know, <laughs> brainstorm again. He evaluates. Because I didn't say it smiling. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was in, I was, and, I'm, and I meant it. If he touched me, one of those three things will have happened. You understand? So when I moved aside, what he could not do was to come and stand in my front. But he couldn't touch me again. So all of a sudden, some guys now came. And they pushed him. They said, Pastor, don't worry. See, we know you will be pastor. You know if he beat this guy. <laughs> he said, but we will be talk of Jesus. He said, we'll be talk of Jesus. He said, Pastor, don't worry. This half we will be. And they carried him, bundled him, bundled him out. The guy came back. They tore his clothes. The guy came back. Very stubborn half those, those days. I can't forget his face. We later became very good friends too. That guy. Stubborn guy. They tore his clothes. He came back again. I said, I will not preach. Sir. Then when I discovered that this guy, then I told those guys, because they were already beating him. So I told them to leave him. So I now climbed on top of 
How many of us went to Futa? You saw, you remember be guilty. Then I climbed on top of the chair. Then I went to the bingo. Then I said, somebody pray. Oh my God. You see, it was as if there was going to be an aluta that morning. I said, somebody pray. Everybody shout hallelujah. The all was charged. Then I lifted the song. Uh, 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 ah, which one? Let me even remember that song. Uh, when I raised that song, the whole LT, like what 500 over close to 1,000 students, everybody started singing. That student was just looking at me like this. <laughs> It was after that incident that I went to face panel. It was after that incident that I went to face panel. And I was not going to budge. I knew of brothers who came to me. You know brothers, bro? You know bro? And they said, bro, bro, let's apply wisdom. Let's, in this thing, let's apply wisdom. Then I tell them that what I'm doing is the wisdom. And when I went to face the panel, I was not going to go there and beg. And say hey, my certificate, everything. Hey, hey. In fact, they used my certificate to intimidate me when I went for the panel. The first thing Professor Fagbero brought out was my file. He said, This is your file. Then he said, After he said, This is your file, he now said, This is your life. I corrected him. I said, Sir, that's not my life. That's uh, it's just some bottom paper, sir. Okay, that's not my life. I was about to hold the meeting, and they said, I must not hold the meeting. That if I hold the meeting, they will expel me from this school. Guess what my response is? I said, if you expel me from this school, after you have given me the letter and you have expelled me, is there anything more you can do to me? And they kept quiet because really there was nothing they could do to me. So when they kept quiet, I said, see, me, I'm going, I need to plan a meeting. We have a meeting tomorrow. Oh my God. God is looking for soldiers. God is looking for soldiers who will go to their deaths. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The Bible said in the book of Revelation, he said they love not their lives unto death. They were not careful if they were going to live or they were going to die. All they were ready for was to do the will and the counsel and the purpose of God. Why oh, are you listening to me? Oh, so I'm not preaching to church because the church is full or because the churches are full. I preach because God has sent me. Oh, you don't understand what I'm talking about. So even if it's one person that shows up, man, I'm a deliverer because I've got counsels of God in my mouth. I've got the word of God in my mouth to deliver. You understand what I'm talking about? Faithful is he who has called and he expects the one who has called also to stay faithful. So I do my work not because of what I see or what I feel. I do my work because it's what is expected of me to be done. Oh, can you get on the keyboard for me? Oh, this is just the beginning of the series. Oh, it's just the beginning of the series. And I'm telling you by the time we're done, you are going to be so fired up for your assignment. You are going to be steered for your assignment. Oh, are you listening to me? You see, these are days when we have succeeded as pastors to raise jelly Christians, to raise Christians. Christians who they do when it's only convenient for them. Uh, anything that will inconvenience them, they are not ready for here. But we're going back in time. We're going back to the days of the apostles. We're going back to the book of Acts of Apostles. Where the people were ready to lay down their life for the cause of the gospel. Either it's convenient or not convenient for me. I will do the work of him that has sent me. While it is there. For the night comet. When no man will be able to walk. If I've got money, I will do the work. When I don't have money, I'll do the work. When I feel whole, I'll do the work. When I feel I'll do the work. You know one of the things that steered me, that steers me along the line of work. Do you know it? One time when I was much younger, I was in primary school, Mayflower School precisely. And that day, I was sick, terribly sick. I was throwing up. So because of that, I didn't go to work. I didn't go to class. I was in the hostel. And my father happened to be passing by Ikene. So he decided, let me just check up on this boy. It was during class hour. 
So he drove to school instead of the hostel because I was supposed to be in class. So when he got to the school, they said, Banji is not in class. He said, what? Why is he not in class? They say he's in the hostel. He said, what happened to him? They said he's sick. Guess what my father said? My father said he's sick. So because he's sick, he didn't come to class. Then he drove down to the hostel and saw my warden, Ashampong. He was a Ghanaian. I said, Master Champong, what happened? Where is Banji? Said he's, he's sleeping, he's resting. He's seriously sick. My father said, go and get him immediately. And when they called me, oh my God, I was, my eyes were stunning. I was seriously, I was in a very bad shape. So I got to where he is. I, I managed to, you know, to just greet him. We understand. And because my eyes were stunning, I couldn't stand again. I fell on the floor and I started throwing up right there. And guess what my father said? My father said, I was, I was shocked where I was. He said, And the next thing he said to me, he said, since they've given birth to you and you have been living with me, he said, how many times or which day have you seen it that I stayed back from work because I was sick? It didn't make sense to me as a young man it didn't make sense and i guess it probably won't make sense to a lot of people seated here i'm telling you the truth because right there i was throwing up and when he said that in my mind what i was thinking is you've never been in this bad shape maybe that's why you keep going to work but i can tell you even from my earthly father i learned what faithfulness is i learned what being dutiful means Oh, my father wakes up every morning. Either he has headache or no headache. He wears his uniform and he's going to work. If he's going to throw up, let him go and be throwing up in his office. Do you understand what I'm talking about? What is meant to be done has to be done. As a faithful policeman of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. That's one cop me I know in this whole Nigeria that is faithful and dutiful. Even the day he died, one of the reasons why he died was because he went to the office he was not supposed to go another cp will cancel the parade but my father said how can the parade be fixed and i'll now say because i am coffee i will not stay go and take the parade he said no and he called the doctor in. i said give me a shot something that will quell the cough because while you are taking salutes you can't be coughing do you understand what i'm talking about he said, give me a shot and he took the shot and went for the spirit and that was the last picture he took standing like this as Abia state commission of police but you could see his face was squeezed in that picture something was wrong somewhere but my father is not the one that will give excuse for not doing what he's supposed to do i even learned from my earthly father and when they were done with the parade was when he started throwing up and with his full escort they rushed him to fmc in abia and that was where he passed on. he died on his assignment that's even a natural assignment then you have a spiritual assignment from god and you handle it with levity he said let it be accounted of us as stewards of the mysteries of god that a man must be found faithful found faithful faithfulness in that which you have been called to do i love people who will not have money to take transport to church but they will walk to church they calculate the time it will take them and they walk to church just because i must be there Oh, we spoke about Uriah last month. Do you remember Uriah? Stewards of the mysteries of Christ. Men who will preach in season and out of season. Not because of how they feel, but because this work has to be done. Lift up your hands everywhere. All over this room. I give myself to you, my whole life. Take it, oh Lord. I live for you, 
Come on, can you lift up your hands to the Lord? I give my life to you, my whole life. Take it, O Lord. I live for you, my whole I give myself away. I give myself away, I saw you, can use me, I give myself away, oh, come on, lift up your hands as you sing it, I give myself away, I saw you, can use From the bottom of your heart, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I want you to sing it with the whole of your heart. I give myself to you. I give, I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give Everybody, lift up your hands. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing. Oh, I surrender, I surrender all to you. Oh,
up your hands. there are a lot of distractions a lot of distractions a lot a lot a lot a lot of distractions things that will distract you from your focus on your assignment for God in God even in the household of God but you must make up your mind in the midst of all of this to stay focused and to stay faithful the one who has called you is faithful the one who is faithful who called you is also counting on your own faithfulness in that little space of yours we're going to continue this series at some point Jesus said he that is faithful in little he said more Will be committed into his hands then he took it to another level he said he that is faithful in another's he said his own shall be given unto him there's just something about stewardship and being faithful <laughs> 